You're tuned to the Collective Cast. Agents of the Collective strive to fight, adapt, and grow. Whether facing the evils of the world or those within ourselves, we support one another and leave nobody behind. And now, here's your host of the Collective Cast, The Cryptic Chameleon. Hello, everybody. I am Chris, also known as the Cryptic Chameleon. Welcome back to the Collective Cast. Yeah, it's been a while since the last episode. I realize that. And uh, it's, uh, you know, life. Life happens. And uh, that's that's pretty much, you know, how things go is that we, we have life intervene and, um, you know, still kind of living that journey. So as you all know, I've been going through quite a lot of life changes over the past uh, six to eight months, uh, you know, actually longer than that, probably for since last August, I would say, uh, significantly learning things about myself, working to change myself. And this is the place where I go to talk about that, uh, to talk about how I fight, adapt, and grow and also to offer others a place to talk about times that they've overcome adversity. And let me just talk a little bit about that. So um, I've actually had somebody offer to be on the show, and I didn't follow up with them. And you might say, well, why wouldn't you do that? Like you said, you want to have this be a podcast about the uh, gaming community, the streaming community, content creator community, and positive things about that community, and yet you're afraid to reach out to somebody that you already know to ask them to be on the podcast. So what's up with that? Well, well, that ties into the th- a theme that I think I've touched on before, but I'm going to touch on again because it's so important. And that is the theme of fear and how fear prevents us from doing what we want to do in life or what I want to do in life anyway. And here's the other thing, though. <laughs> Knowing that fear is preventing me from doing what I would like to do in life at times doesn't stop me from procrastinating because of fear. And that's that's a much, much more difficult thing to deal with. Knowing you're afraid is one thing. Knowing how to beat it is another. And by the way, uh, if you're looking to me for advice on that, uh, I, I don't have a ton of tips. Uh, I do know that, you know, fear ties to expectations uh, that you partially that one has, but also a lack of experience in certain areas of life. I'm going to be drinking coffee during this podcast, so if you hear gaps, oh well. I'm not editing this sucker. But I do have some positive things. So before I get into fear and expectations and all of that stuff, first of all, I want to talk about some positive things. So, um, you know, I'm continuing to live in my new apartment. I've gotten some additional furniture, including a smart TV, which I'm enjoying because I've been watching deadliest catch and uh, i'm re-watching all of the x-files which is an amazing series and i really actually love the series because um basically i like a certain attitude about it or that comes from it not the paranoia and the government's out to get you side of things but the um the poster in agent Mulder's office that says i want to believe and that that pretty much sums up my belief in the paranormal in UAP slash UFO and things like that. I I love diving into that stuff. But do I believe it out of 
you know, out of like absolute, like this must be true because, well, no, I'm not one of those persons that is going to, or people that's going to stretch evidence to make it fit my view or my belief. That doesn't work. I'm not going to take evidence that isn't there and try to force it in a mold to then say, see, my belief is justified. On the other side, though, I'm not going to do the other thing, which is, hey, um, I there, there's none of this is real. None of this could ever be real. And because of that, um, you know, any evidence you provide is, you know, worthless because it can't be real. So I'm going to just try to explain every piece. It doesn't work that way. So that's something positive um, that, you know, I take away from that thing, which is I want to believe, meaning I will look at evidence. And if I believe it to be real evidence, then I'll add it to my, you know, body of belief. If I don't believe it, then I don't. And I do look at it from an evidential standpoint. Anyway, so that's one thing. The other thing is I reconnected with some of my friends. So I, um, I had, I was part of a trio of friends growing up, uh, in my 18 to 20 year age span. And over the years, I kind of fell out with them. We, we lost touch of each other and a couple of them, I just had really negative internal connection, um, or association with them over time. And that was a combination of things that, you know, beliefs that I had of myself, uh, but also some very real things that had happened in our relationships that made me not want to engage in those relationships anymore. And that that's one of the hard things is letting go of relationships. But for whatever reason, I was feeling brave and decided to reach out to a couple of these people. And one of them, uh, I have really, uh, you know, had a great time reconnecting with, and we are actually doing a podcast with uh, my friend Josh, and we'll we'll get into that in a minute. And the other one, I'm I'm still talking to uh, via the internet and via uh, via other means, but I I haven't really had as much of an opportunity to reconnect with them in the same kind of way. But they're also a different kind of person too. So, but the positive that comes out of this is, first of all, I've reconnected with a couple of people, and it feels good to do that. But secondly, as previously mentioned. We do have, uh, or I am part of a podcast. So way back in 2014, I had a podcast with uh, my two friends, Tom and Josh. And I'm not going to reveal anything else about them aside from their first names because we're going to keep this podcast uh, a first name type of podcast. It is um, very much the Cards Against Humanity of podcasts. Um, back in 2014, I kind of wanted to be the, uh, you know, quote unquote, voice of reason. Hello, Abyss Watcher. I'm streaming this live, by the way, for this recording live. So hello, Abyss Watcher. Um, but in 2014, my friends and I had this podcast called the Aural Malpractice Podcast. Not oral malpractice, but aural as in auditory. So A-U-R-A-L malpractice and the the premise of it is we we all said that we were doctors just to be pretentious because i mean it's a podcast we can say whatever we want and i tried to be because i was so caught up in my own morality at the time and my uh, own sense of moral superiority i kind of tended to be a little bit more on the censor 
side of the equation in the podcast. And now that I'm a little bit less uh, hung up on morality in terms of like the small things and more focused on the big things in life, I... <laughs> I am not a censor and in fact can sometimes be one of the um shall we say more disturbing voices on the show at times when I have an opportunity only when I have an opportunity so it is a comedy show it is very much in the vein of cards against humanity though in that sometimes the things that we say are partially funny and amusing because they're uncomfortable and that's part of life though it's it's getting used to being uncomfortable and i will say that you know we don't always necessarily quote unquote believe the things we're saying we're intentionally taking things as far as we possibly can in the context of the show because we're just trying to get each other to laugh and that was really that's at this point really the premise of the show is it's a bunch of friends sitting together trying to make each other laugh while sort of playing these caricatures of themselves within the show. Now, I will say within the context of the show, I tend to be more of myself. I I don't tend to ramp things up too, too much, but I can't honestly say that I'm fully quote unquote myself because I'm in a performance mode. Just like when you're streaming, you're yourself, but you're performing to a certain extent too. So you... You know, or when you're podcasting, people get a sense of who you are and it's a real sense of who you are, but it's not really the whole you. And especially within a comedy environment, you have to take it with a grain of salt that we're just trying to make each other laugh. We're going to say the most ridiculous, crazy stuff to make each other laugh. It's definitely offensive, definitely not meant for children, and it's definitely a great time. Uh, we just released our most recent episode uh, two or three days ago. It was uh, last weekend. And uh, so if you go to auralmalpractice.com, that's A-U-R-A-L malpractice.com, you can uh, definitely get a hold of the podcast there or check your podcast players for wherever you uh, get podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are sold for zero cost because, you know, unless you're subscribing to the podcast and actually support them, yeah, they're, they, they're free. All right. So um, that's something that I have had a ton of fun with, though, is the RO Malpractice podcast and getting to just be uh, funny without limits, so to speak. And we we definitely come up with some crazy ideas. Uh, I will give my friends Josh and Tom more credit, though, in that they once you get them going, it, it's it, it's like the ideas just fly out of these guys and they're really good at coming up with stuff. Um, I tend to be a little bit, you know, like if I see something that I can grasp my hands around, uh, not physically, of course, but like if I if I get a sense of like, oh, that would make a good bit, then I'll go and follow up on it. But for the most part, like, it's just me in the chaos. And it's a lot of fun. So those are some positive things going on. Again, I do recommend, uh, as long as you're not easily offended, check out rlmalpractice.com. And now we'll touch on a little bit about fear. And I will say that for me... Fear is not just like uh, fear of death or fear of cancer or fear of these big, big things. Fear is um, 
a lot of different little things that then give me, you know, pause to procrastinate or to avoid uh, certain certain things. For example, trying to figure out who I am. Um, you know, there's a sense that I have to go out and start to discover who I am or at least rediscover who I am and try things so I can figure out what do I like, what don't I like. But that means actually getting out there and trying things. Um, you know, well, uh, what if, you know, what if I that doesn't go well? You know, or, it, you know, there's so many things to choose. It's overwhelming. I don't want to deal with it. I'm afraid of even trying. Um, that's, that's the type of fear I'm talking about. There's a ridiculous fear that I have sometimes, uh, even at work. It's like, well, you know, I could get all of my work done, but then I won't have any work to do. And that's a scary thought. You know, like I won't have any work to do. They, there, there won't, I'm sure that my boss won't have anything else to give me to do, but then there's another fear tied to that. Well, what if I don't want my boss to give me more to do? What if I'm afraid of responsibility? So if I get all my work done and I get it done completely right all the time and I become a reliable source within the business, well, then if I'm reliable, then I'm going to be given more work and uh, you know, I, first of all, you know, who wants more work to a certain extent, but secondly, like, um, kind of, you know, afraid of the additional responsibility because then you have the expectation that you've built that you're a reliable person who can handle extra tasks. And now they're going to expect that of you. And what happens if you don't live, live up to that expectation? Well, now I'm afraid that, if I'm successful, I won't be able to live up to that success. So why bother trying to be successful? There are other things too. Sometimes I have side projects and uh, just side fun things that I do. Sometimes it's genealogy. Sometimes it's, you know, the idea of, it's the idea of um, tracking down, for example, uh, works that are copywritten, but aren't currently released on media and trying to find who owns them to try to, you know, get them to release it and, and things like that. But for example, uh, I tracked down who has the rights to an old uh, TV made for movie 30 minute special Halloween special called the Halloween that almost wasn't. But the, problem is is that well the addition the original company is out of business the person who owned the company is dead and so the only way I could find out who owns the company now or at least who has the rights to the company would be to go to the probate court in New York City and investigate it but I'm scared to death of going to New York City by myself and what happens if I don't find it you know um so there, there, there's, or what happens if I find that information and I, I try to track it down and then, you know, it leads to another dead end. And then I went to New York City for nothing. Well, no, I'd never go to New York City for nothing because all the sites where they filmed the original Ghostbusters is there and I definitely would be going through um, all of that. And uh, Hex just wrote something in the chat here, so I'm going to read it. Uh, As a streamer, I understand the nature of social media tends to promote and make funny and enjoyable moments in social media, 
but that makes a streamer less likely to show their real self in front of the viewers. That is, in short, make yourself fun to watch uh, with makes you more famous. But the question is, what is the real me always comes up during the process, which is kind of contradictory and struggling to deal with. And that's true. Finding the real self is difficult and portraying that real self and feeling like you're okay being your real self. And this is another fear thing. This is, this is what prevented me from even trying to be my real self for most of my life. Well, what, what if I make somebody upset? What if I say something that somebody doesn't agree with? What if, um, you know, it's, what if I offend somebody? What if I'm not who they think that I should be? What if I'm not the person I think I should be in order to get them to like me? And so that kind of prevents you from making your own decisions, except when you really want something. Then if I really wanted something, then I would I would be, you know, manipulative about it or uh, be passive aggressive, etc. So it's it's a lot of fear, a lot of things to be afraid of. Um, and it's not the big stuff that does it. It's the little stuff, you know, I, <sighs> It's always the little nitpicky things like, well, um, for example, eventually I may go and start dating. Uh, and, you know, there's a big fear there. Yeah, the fear of well, what if the person doesn't like me, but also the fear of going to new places and experiencing new situations and the fear of, well, I, I might have to tell somebody that I'm not interested in them and face how they feel about that and be willing to accept that I'm going to make somebody feel uncomfortable uh, or even upset if, for example, you, you date somebody a few times and you decide, no, this isn't the right person. You could keep on dating in, you know, denial of yourself and what's really best for you. And you could, which in turn is actually leading the other person on. Or you can face the discomfort of having to look them in the eye and say, look, this isn't working for me. And uh, I wish you the best of luck. That's really something that is, um, you know, daunting. There's uh, the fear of getting just everyday life stuff done. Uh, you know, keeping the house clean. Well, why, why should I be afraid of that? Well, it's work first. But second of all, like, it, I, I can sometimes get in the mindset, well, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily doing it for myself. I'm doing it like, what if somebody knows who, but somebody comes over, what if they look at my place and they see it's a mess and then, you know, I, I, I feel self-conscious about that. So that's another fear. And I think there has to be a middle line on that. You can't let your place where you live go to total trash to the point that you, you know, can't walk through it. Uh, you know, you want it to look presentable, but I think unfortunately society puts this burden on us of, oh, if your house isn't perfectly spick and span, people will look at you and think you're a slob. Well, okay. People will have to think I'm a slob then. You know, that's just the way it is. I'm not a, I, I'm a neater person than I used to be much neater than I used to be, but I'm not, I'm not the, you know, the ultimate neat freak that's, you know, sanitizing everything every five minutes. It's just not like that. So what do I do with all this fear and where does all this fear come from? And, uh, well, I don't know what to do with all the fear, honestly. 
procrastinating and finding uh, other outlets tends to be the best uh, way to deal with it, except it isn't. It totally isn't. In fact, that's where most addictions come from. Most addictions do not come from the fact that the substance itself is addictive, although that is the case in many cases. But it comes from the person not having a good way to deal with anxiety, depression, and fear. And so what do they do? They run to something that's comfortable. Sometimes what's comfortable is uh, drinking. Sometimes what's comfortable is pornography. Sometimes what's comfortable is, you know, uh, some other form of illicit drugs, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I feel fortunate that I my vices don't tend to be, um, you know, illegal ones. Which is, which is good. And also they don't tend to be ones that have a drastic negative physical effect on my body. That being said, they're still vices. And they're still where I run when I don't want to deal with life. And when I don't want to deal with um, things around me. The other thing that fear breeds, of course, is procrastination. Uh, I will find things to avoid things for days you know like I will find ways to avoid responsibility uh that has any fear attached to it even if it's just a little fear oh well like what if this doesn't work out or what if uh, it does work out and what are the consequences if that works out and something else works out then what are the you say it spirals out of control and that's where expectations come in and I will tell you expectations play a huge huge part in where fear comes from and it, it creates a big problem as well. So, for example, I was actually laying in bed thinking about this the other night. It was great. Um, so I'm laying there and I'm like, you know, like I have, I think most guys and, and most uh, women as well, you know, they they sometimes produce this mental idea of um, the physical ideal of a person that you'd want to be dating or person that you'd eventually want to marry. And it's not to say that that ideal is going to be met. It's to say that, you know, there are some things that you're naturally attracted to. And because of that, you kind of stitch those together to form this fictional person in your mind. And I sat there thinking about this the other night. And it's like, well, so what if I'm dating somebody? And they're amazing in every single way, but they're not this. They don't have this physical attribute or they don't have this other physical attribute. How would I deal with that? And would it immediately be off-putting? So let's say the person's attractive, but they they don't fit that, that mold that I had produced in my mind. Well, that's going to hurt me and it's going to hurt them because I'm going into a relationship with an expectation that I'm going to have this ideal vision of a, a woman in my mind that has certain body features and whatnot. And then if the person doesn't meet that, I'm just going to say, well, they're definitely not worthwhile. Tough. Well, that's shallow, you know? So how do you deal with that? You know, well, you have to move past expectations. How do you move past expectations? Well, I'm still working on that. But, um, that's really where a lot of fear in my life I know comes from. And I've talked about this in therapy, having expectations as to what's going to happen and how 
is where fear comes from. So, like, for example, part of my fear of New York is, well, New York City's got a reputation. It's a busy place. People don't necessarily help each other uh, very much because it's a busy place. People are running past each other. It's the financial, one of the biggest financial centers of the United States. It's one of the biggest trade centers of the United States. And um, so people are bustling about. And then, uh, you know, in the past... And even to a certain extent today, New York was known for crime. When I was growing up, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s, uh, New York City was not a type of place that was a, uh, shall we say, family-friendly place. It wasn't until, uh, as much as you might not agree with certain things he's done recently, it wasn't until Rudy Giuliani got into office in New York City and started cleaning things up that it became the kind of touristy attraction that it is now back in the day it was like yeah you went with school trips but you'd go in the light of the day you didn't go at night when we went on like broadway trips i went on several broadway trips it was by bus and you got dropped off at certain locations at certain times you had an itinerary to follow so the idea of going there by yourself um going there by myself going there even with somebody and, uh, you know, exploring on my own, that's scary. That's scary to me. What about the idea of, you know, um, going to see a comedian, uh, you know, going to a comedy club? Well, you might think, well, gee, there's no fear in going to see a comedian at a comedy club. Why would you be afraid of that? Well, I've never done it before. I've never gone to a straight up comedy club. I've never had to sit there by myself because, you know, I, I may or may not be able to go with a friend and, you know, purchase two drinks and sit there and watch a comedy show. Heck, the idea of going to a restaurant or a uh, comedy club by yourself, uh, that alone induces fear in me because it's like, well, gee, that's normally like a couple activity and people might look at you weird. They might, they might look at me weird because I'm by myself and people might judge like, what's a single guy doing here by himself? Like that's, that's weird, right? Like, huh? And you might say, well, gee, like, but so you're putting expectations out there that people are going to judge you. And yeah, that's what I'm doing. There's an expectation that I'm going to be judged. And so that produces fear. Is it rational fear? Well, probably not. Some people might judge me, but they're not going to like come up to me and be like, dude, you're, you're at a comedy club at night by yourself. What's wrong with you? You know, there, there are different things that I'd like to try, but those fears keep me cemented in place. And it's, um, very scary. And you might say, well, gee, but that's so irrational. Why would you be like, why would you give in to those fears? Just go and do the thing. That's what you have to do. Well, that's because I have expectations that things are going to go a certain way. Things are going to be a certain way. I'm going to be a certain way. What if I don't live up to my own expectations? What if, um, you know, like I said, with the work situation, what if I do my job all the time and Keep in mind, a lot of this is subconscious. I'm not actively thinking this and realizing it and working on it. Like, 
this all happens at a sub-functional level. So when I'm at work and I'm procrastinating because I really don't want to do this task, it's not just I really don't want to do this task. It's also, well, if I get this task done, um, in really deep down in the recesses of my brain, it's if I get this task done, uh, there won't be anything to do or there will be more to do, which then is going to make me look good, but I don't want to look good because then people are going to expect me to perform at this level all the time and I don't want that extra responsibility because I don't necessarily believe that I can, but you see all the expectations that are tied in that. So one, the expectation is I'll be given more than I can handle. There's also an expectation of I can't live up to um, the high demand that's there. And are those realistic expectations? Well, probably not, but this all happens at the subconscious level of my brain, which then generates me taking my time on things or going slowly or not getting things done that I should get done. Now, sometimes I legitimately forget things as well. And that can be bad too, especially when you legitimately forget something that's really important, which did happen to me at work recently. But the point is, is that all these little subconscious expectations, the subconscious expectations are what prevent me from being able to do things because there's fear. These subconscious expectations cause fear. And then I have to go and try to face that fear, which makes me feel anxious. I don't want to face that fear. I don't want to go and do this thing because then, you know, what if it goes the way that I expect? Well, again, I have these expectations, but the expectations aren't realistic. If I have expectations for how dating is going to go or how going to a bar might go or how going to a, a comedy club might go. And I only can at the subconscious level, see the expectations, then I'm not going to face the fear. Now, how do you get into touch with that subconscious? Well, there's, you know, mindfulness practices and things like that, which I arguably don't do. <laughs> that at least I don't do them to the extent that I should. I, I'm at the point now where I, I can at least become aware that I'm feeling that anxiety and I know some of the things I do to procrastinate and to dive into to escape from the fear and the expectations. But really, when push comes to shove, I need to practice more. You know, I need to get better at that. But the only way the only way to face fear is to let go of the expectations and to do the thing. But that requires facing the fear and doing the thing. And it seems so simple. Like it's, it's, it's not the quote unquote, just do it like Nike atmosphere or attitude, but it's, it's like, I have to let go of expectations and just do the stuff and face the fear and discover that I'm strong enough to handle it or discover that maybe it isn't something that I truly want, like, I go and I face the fear and I find out, no, nah, it's not something that's for me. Like, I don't like it. Um, but then I've still faced my fear. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of fear that I live in. And it's, it's hard admitting that. Even when it comes to streaming and doing the podcast and stuff, um, you know, streaming I originally, at a certain level, wanted to be successful streaming, you know, 
I went into it like, oh, yeah, like the little sub hope. Oh, yeah, well, if I keep doing this and I do it right and I do it well, then people will like me. And that's not the reality. And so that's part, part of why I don't stream as much. But also the second thing, the second thing is that, um, you know, I do stream more now for myself. And so when I have life situations like my son, who is more important than my game stream, yeah, I'll spend time with my son at his soccer games because it's more important than the game stream. You know, I don't feel slighted for not being able to do the game stream. Is there a little bit of anxiety like, well, I'm not meeting people's expectations because uh, I'm not streaming when they think. Yeah, but I am, you know, more happy streaming when I feel like it than streaming on a schedule. Because if I'm doing it for me and for fun, I don't need to impress anybody. And yet there's still fear there. There's a website that I bought a domain name for that I haven't started yet. One, because I don't like building websites. But two, um, you know, I can build websites, but I'm not great at it. And there's the expectation that I'm going to put together this great site and I'm going to be really happy with the results. And the fact is, is that that expectation is kind of preventing me from just whipping together a website, you know? So, in short, fear is the ultimate creator of procrastination. Fear is the ultimate creator of the um, desire to avoid things. And fear is actually, in part, the ultimate creators or creator of addiction. It's in escaping anxiety and escaping fear that addictions are born. So, what do we do? Well, we got to figure out how to <laughs> how to let go of those expectations that create the fear. How do you do that? Uh, I'm still fuzzy on the details. I do know that it involves finding a way to let go of the expectations, which is a bit fuzzy. So, it's being aware of the fear, but then also um, letting go of the expectation by doing the thing and saying, "I just want to. I'm curious. I want to see what the end result is here." At least that's. The way my therapist put it, it's it's having a curiosity. What can I learn from this? What can I discover about myself or discover about the world by doing this rather than this is what I expect to happen? Even so, that's a, that's a hard thing to do in practice. Very hard. And it's, um, you know, it's it's just one of those things that, letting go of the expectation and trying to see every opportunity that you're afraid of as an oppor- as truly that an opportunity as an ability to learn something or to experience something new that's, that's hard to do <laughs> it's hard to do it's very hard to do all right so so today talked a little bit about fear expectations procrastination and some positive things in life. If you do happen to like what you're hearing here, please do leave a review in your podcast listening app of choice. Uh, also, please uh, send feedback. That's uh, our, uh, ooh, I almost gave a different podcast feedback address. It's 
collectivecastfeedback at gmail.com. That's collectivecastfeedback at gmail.com. I'm also available in all of the different podcasting uh areas and apps, but especially on the podcasting 2.0 apps, uh, podcasting 2.0 is a great way that you to, uh, expand upon the features and functions of existing podcasting while ensuring that you can deliver value back to, uh, your favorite podcasters in the form of either streaming sats, uh, as in Bitcoin Satoshis or in, uh, any other, way that you see fit. In fact, uh, I do believe in the value for value proposition. So if you like what you're hearing here, uh, there's always a link to donate if you'd like to. Uh, That's more than, you know, welcome. And if you are in a compatible podcasting 2.0 app, I do have a way that you can stream sats as well. So with that being said, I think we're going to wrap things up for this podcast. I hope, uh, I hope that, well, we could all deal with fear and fight, adapt, and grow to get through those fears. In the meantime, I'm the Cryptic Chameleon. I'll catch you all next time. Take care. <laughs>